Matthew 11 from verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of God. If you were to ask uh, the members of the Reformed Church of Wellington, who is Ben MacDonald? They will tell you, well, he's our pastor and he has been for about seven years. If you would ask my children, who is Ben MacDonald? They will say, well, he's our dad and he's getting really old. If you were to ask my wife, who is Ben MacDonald? She would say, he's my husband and I, I like him a lot. But just don't ask him to build anything because he's hopeless at that. There are various contexts in which people know us and know us in a relationship. But the more intimate the relationship, the more intimate the knowledge. And Scripture teaches us that there is a, a kind of knowledge that makes people arrogant. A kind of knowledge, Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 8, that puffs up. A kind of knowledge that fills heads but fails to change lives. It feeds pride and arrogance. But there's also a kind of knowledge that we saw this morning that surpasses knowledge. Knowledge by which Christians are rooted and, and grounded in the love of God through Jesus Christ that we might apprehend the the. the multi-dimensional love of Christ and that we'd be filled with the fullness of God. Two different kinds of knowledge, but the more intimate our knowledge, the more it will change us. How do we get that knowledge? How do we grow in that knowledge? Well, in our morning service, we saw that the, the, the Spirit strengthens us as we prioritize the inner life. Not relying on the outer life to prop up the inner life, but relying on the grace of God to strengthen us through His Spirit as Jesus Christ is held out to us and proclaimed to us that we would take hold of Him, apprehend Him in our inner being. And we do this as he is made known to us through his word. In this series, I, I called it Knowing Jesus, and there's, there's, there's different aspects to Jesus we can know. Uh, we, can, we can know Jesus by his work. 
we can know Jesus by what he did, his, his life, uh, his, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. All, all good, significant things that we ought to know. We can know Christ by his titles. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. He is our Saviour. He is the King. He is Son of God, Son of Man. But we can also know Christ as he's been revealed to us in his person. Who is Christ? What is he like? We can know Christ by his character. And we'll draw here this afternoon from Matthew 11 as Christ allows us to know him and what's in his heart. As we do so, we want to recognize that this is the only place in the Gospels where Jesus tells us about his heart. If we are to apprehend Christ in our hearts, a good place to begin in apprehending Christ is in his heart. So that's our theme this afternoon, knowing Jesus' heart. What's he, what's he like? And we'll think about that under three headings. Firstly, Jesus is accessible. Secondly, Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. And thirdly, Jesus is giving. So firstly, he's accessible. People can only know us to the degree that we allow ourselves to be known. I can only know you to the degree you allow yourself to be known to me. You can only know me the degree to which I allow myself to be known to you. And for some of us, that's a scary thought. Because there are things about ourselves we don't want people to know. I, I don't want you to know the kind of thoughts I have at times. I don't want you to know the stupid things I've done in my past. You don't want people to know your character flaws. You want to keep those things closed. You want to keep those things unknown. Because when those things become known, you subject yourself to other people's judgment. And you risk rejection on that basis. So what do we do? Hide them. That's how people work. Jesus says... Come to me. Come to me because he wants people to know him as he is. He wants people to know what his heart is like. He's accessible. That is, there's no security layers there for Jesus. He's not like a, um, a head of state or uh, a celebrity who surrounds themselves with uh, bodyguards and now, people to screen out the threats and the undesirables. You might remember his disciples acted that way at times. <laughs> um, you remember when uh, people were bringing their children to Jesus so he might put his hands on them and, and bless them and the disciples were sending them away. We might remember the Pharisees thought that Jesus ought to have some kind of security checks. Screen out the undesirables and keep a safe distance from them. Jesus says, come to me. 
He's come into this world, a world that's in darkness, a world that's lost, a world where evil flourishes, a world that is, that is burdened. And he comes as the one in whom the radiance of the glory of God shines. The exact imprint of his nature, the very fullness of deity dwells in him bodily, and yet he is accessible. He, he opens himself up and allows himself to be known by us. And, and, and not only to know him, you'll notice here in verse 27, to know the Father, to know God himself. Whenever anyone meets uh, uh, the king, queen, formally, uh, sometimes much is made of the etiquette people need to follow. And, and perhaps much more is made when there's a breach of that etiquette. Yet if you go to the official royal website, you, you'll discover there's actually no official protocols uh, to follow. And, and that's how it is with Jesus. There's no performance hoops to jump through. No qualifications that you need to achieve in order to come to him. Like the, the only qualifier he's make, he makes is, is that you need to know that you need him. And that's, that's an important qualifier because many people came to Jesus throughout his ministry but did not come to him with their need. Think about it. That, that soldier who, who came with a spear to check to see whether Jesus was dead or alive or not and shoved that spear into his side. Or the crowds who were around him as he was hanging there on that cross mocking him. Or that thief who railed at him next to Jesus. Or the women who came, the daughters of Jerusalem who came and wept and wailed before him. Or the people who came simply just to argue with him and to test him. The people who came to him who were impressed by his miracles and his teaching and said, Lo, I wouldn't mind a bit of that, it went away because it just got a bit too hard. Many came, but not with their need. And what I want you to notice about that list of people is accessible for everyone. But it's only those who know their need. Only those who come with him as those who know their burden, who labour and are heavy laden, who will truly know him. Friends, what, what burdened you this week? What's burdened you in the past month? What kept you awake at night? What what burdens you about the week ahead? What are, what are those things from which you can't unburden yourself from, though you might try and try and try? It might, it might be your sin. It might be your guilt. It might be something that's hidden in the past. It, it, it might be something like fear, the fear of death. The fear of pain, the fear of weakness. It might be the burden of being your own saviour. It might be the burden of being someone else's saviour. 
It might be the burden of being the world's saviour. It might be the burden of your happiness. The burden of trying to meet your own expectations, let alone others. The burden of being a people pleaser. The burden of being in control. What's your burden? What I want you to know about whatever burden you might carry or will carry in the week or the weeks ahead is that Jesus has not made it hard for us to come to him with our burden. That's why he was sent. That's, that's why he allows himself to be known. Come to him. Come to him with your burden. Firstly, he's accessible. Secondly, he's gentle and, and lowly in heart. Now, I've borrowed here uh, in this sermon, but also in this series from a, a book called, well, Gentle and Lowly, written by a pastor named Dane Ortland. And uh, here I borrow an analogy from him. He says, if Jesus had a website today and you clicked on the uh, About Me tab, it would say, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And we saw this morning the heart is the control center of our of our being. And our, at the heart is, it consists of not simply what we feel, but of, a, of the mind, of the will, of the conscience, and the affections. And this is the only place in the Gospels we read where Jesus describes his own heart. And when he does so, he doesn't describe his heart as being cold in heart. Jesus doesn't say, come to me, I'm indifferent in heart. He doesn't say, I am stern in heart and I am demanding in heart. He doesn't even say, I am exalted in heart. What he is in heart is in contrast to what we are. We are burdened and heavy laden. He is gentle and lowly in heart. First, gentle. This this word means meek. It's translated elsewhere as meek in uh, uh, Matthew chapter five, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. It's a meek and quiet spirit that First Peter chapter three says is precious, an imperishable beauty in the eyes of God. It was in meekness. That Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey in order to fill the pro pro prophecy of Zechariah 9 of how the king would come. He comes meekly. I want you to think about someone who's not meek, <laughs> someone who is not gentle, someone who is uh, uh, high-minded, someone who is uh, abrasive, I'm sure you've got a person in mind. <laughs> and that person is not easy to approach, are they? Because if you were to approach them, you, you, you risk being looked down upon by them. You risk having your head bitten off by them. You risk being rejected by them. And though Jesus is the King, though Jesus is the Holy One of God, He's, he's approachable. 
even for sinners, even for sufferers, because he is gentle. He is meek in heart. And he's, he's lonely. Uh, and this word's very, very similar. There's a little bit of overlap. But this word speaks more of a person's low position, their, their, their low estate. Uh, it, it, in, throughout the scriptures we read that God opposes the proud, he opposes the strong, the powerful, but he gives grace to uh, the humble, those of low estate. Jesus tells us he's been given all things in verse 27 by his father and, and at the same time he's, he's of low estate in heart. Now, when you take these two things together, that he is gentle and that he is lowly, that means when you come to him with your burden, he's not going to flip out at you. He's not, just, he's not going to fly off the handle in rage. He's not going to seethe with disappointment at you. And, and he's not going to recoil away from you with disgust. There's, there's no hidden, unpredictable mean streak in Jesus. He, he looks on those who come to him with their burden, with mercy. He looks upon them with, with warmth. He receives them as a, and gathers them as a, a hen gathers its chicks. He welcomes. He receives you. With your burden, he receives you with meekness because that is what he is in heart. So that when we come to him with our burden, you don't need to try and impress him. You don't need to try and prove yourself to him. You don't have to try and exaggerate your burden. Or you don't even have to feign contrition. Or, or even engage in a bit of self-flagellation. Beat yourself up so that Jesus might receive you. Jesus knew that equality with God was not something to be grasped. And so Jesus didn't come into the world and, and allow himself to be known that we might try and impress him. He simply says, come. He's the saviour who calls us to come to him. Not, not the saviour of our imagination. Not the Saviour by our own conditions. The Saviour who is gentle and humble, lowly in heart. And the third thing we see here in this passage about knowing Jesus is that he's giving. He promises in verse 28, I will give you rest. The Greek is a little bit awkward here to translate into uh, English. Um, literally, it would say something like, I will rest you, or I will cause you to rest. And the idea is, I will unburden you. And it's no coincidence that chapter 12 begins with a Sabbath controversy. The Sabbath command was given as a cessation of work and, and given to the people in order to rest. But what the command offered the body and, and what we like to enjoy 
by itself could not give the soul. Though it anticipates the rest that we find in Jesus when we come to him. But the tragedy of Jesus' time is that it just became another burden. Just another heavy weight to perform. The rest, the unburdening that Jesus offers, it's not simply a cessation of work. You'll notice in verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. The yoke was, a, was an instrument of, of labor. It was a, an instrument of industry. You, you put it on your animal and, and, and you put them out in the field that they would plow up your field or they, they hauled large burdens and large loads like building stones, things that you couldn't lift yourself. Coming to Jesus, there is work to do for him. And we might imagine that work to be quite demanding work. We might imagine that work to be just, just endless work and sometimes even, if we are honest, joyless work. But Jesus assures us here that the work that he calls us to is consistent with his heart. Notice verse 30. My yoke is easy. My yoke is kind. My yoke is, is pleasant. And my burden is light. And my burden is not a burden at all. And the more that your soul finds its rest in Jesus, the more unburdened you will be. And the reason for that is he's borne our burden. He's, he's borne the, the unbearable burden on himself. And he gives us rest by exchanging yokes with us. This is how Isaiah 53 puts it. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus has taken the unbearable burden and given us the burden that is pleasant and light as we learn from him. So the more then we know his heart, not demanding, that he's not harsh, he's not a tyrant, there are no performance hoops to jump through. The more we know his heart is gentle and lonely, the more enabled we are to take up the yoke. That's why he calls us to come to him. How are we to come to him? When Jesus was ministering in the first century, you, you, you could come to him, you could, you, you could come and shake his hand. How do we come to him? We come to him. In repentance, we come to him in faith. We come to him calling on his name in prayer. We come to him by hearing his word. We come to him trusting that he is able and that he does and has in fact borne our burdens. We come to him as his obedient servants, trusting him. 
seeking to know him more and more. And to finish up, I'll borrow again from Dane Ortland when he says, our intuition, that is our own thinking, can only give us a God who is like us. And that's why we need the Bible. Because it breaks down our assumptions. It breaks down our misconceptions. It reveals to us the God who is only known by his Son. And the Son who is known by the Father. By anyone else, the Son chooses to reveal him. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's you. He chooses to make himself known. So what are we to know? He's accessible. No screening. Not a closed book. He knows. He knows you with your burden and calls you to come. We can know his heart, that it's gentle and lowly. A bruised reed he won't break, we read in Matthew 12. A smouldering wick he won't snuff out. Whoever comes with their burden, humbling, trusting, he will never cast out. And we can know and apprehend that he is the one who unburdens us and gives us true rest, along with a yoke that is pleasant and light. Come to him. Come to him. Keep coming to him. Amen.